When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 388, and today we are talking about books being released on November 15th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Tears of Hello! Hello! How are you? Um, you know, I'm here. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that you and so many of my friends over the last couple of years in the pandemic have been collecting kittens. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. I keep telling my husband, we should get... And he's like, no. And then they <laughs> destroy the house. And I'm like, why? I could never have more cats. And then the next day I see pictures of your kitten. And I'm like, can we get another kitten? He's like, no. So, yes, you have a new kitten. We do. Tell us her fabulous name. Her name is Dolly Purton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, um, yes, I, I don't know. I just, the name came to me. I love Dolly Parton, who doesn't love Dolly Parton. And I was like, we can, we can cap on that name. And so now we have a kitten yeah. named Dolly Parton. And really, like, if it's any consolation, to your husband like I, I was not looking to have a new kitten into the mix but I think I've talked about I've talked about this on the podcast before I live in a town in a really 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 rural area where there is no like humane society or, or you know TNR programs and it's a problem and the result is like our our town is literally just overrun with like stray and feral cats Aww. and yeah and it's it's like a really serious issue that like nobody seems to like be addressing but like also is like one person like you you can only do so much you know sure so so um, we have like a regular crew of kitties outside that we feed on the regular just because um, I, I can't like not feed some of these cats. Yeah. And so now as a result, we have quite a few regulars and including two mama kitties and the one that we you know we're working on getting her fixed. But the other she's pretty feral and won't let us cut anywhere near her. But she had a kitten. And I want to note for the record that in the last 15 months, my partner and I have rehomed six kittens, gotten them off the streets. And then this mama cat had this like one kitten. And I don't know if it was the only one in the litter, the only one that survived. But we came home from work the other day and it was really cold and it was raining and it was windy. It was supposed to get down to like 30 degrees that night. And this mama cat had just abandoned the kitten in the middle of the backyard. And... Like, we did all the things where you're like, you know, let her see if she'll come get it. Put the kitten where mom can see it. And mama was just like, nope, that's not mine. So we didn't <laughs> want her to die. We brought her inside. We warmed her up. And, and she was pretty little. So we had to bottle feed her the first couple of days. But at that point, I was like, oh, gosh. She's probably never going out of our house. And She's so cute. She's so she's cute. She's so fluffy. 
Yeah, she's a long hair, um, brown, orange, and white calico, and she's really cute. <laughs> so she's yeah. ours now. And I have, like, no regrets. Like, I know we saved her life. We just have, like, lots of cats and pets in yeah. general. So I don't think I don't think you have too many yet, so you're, you're safe. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, well, and as my partners, like, rightfully pointed out, when we moved to this town, like, we the housing options were very limited. So we ended up buying this like old Victorian house that is pretty large. So Tab was like, we just need to fill it up with cats and you know, that that's totally fine. And I was like, okay, I, I guess if this is our purpose in life. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before on the show at some point, but many, many years ago, I read this really great book called Cats Are Not Peas, A Calico History of Genetics. Ooh. And it was updated. I think it was updated like a dozen or so years ago, but it was fascinating, you know, because calico cats are called money cats because like one in every 100,000 calico cats are a male. So if you found a male calico cat, it meant good luck and you were going to come into money. So that's why they started calling them money cats. Um, And it just talks about different, like how, you know, which calico has a kitten and turns into this, like my faded calico what had a kitten with a Siamese cat and I got a snowshoe. You know, it's like, I, I didn't ask them to. This was something they did. <laughs> they did before I met them. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's just wildly interesting. It is. So, yeah. All right. So we talked about cats. That's good. It's actually it's actually my boy's birthday today when we're recording <gasps> this. It's November 10th. Oh, and birthday. they are four years old. And I cannot believe it, which means in January, oh, wow. they'll have lived with us for four years, which is... That's wild. wild. It seems like it was just only a couple of years ago that you got I them. I know. Aww. Everything goes by so fast. So now uh, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsy Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tom and Series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon-worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today, and it's the fifth book in the series, so make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. 
As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters, and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, now it's time for books. I'm very Yay. excited about this first book. So excited. I might go on and on and on. You might have to be like, Liberty. Okay, we get it. It's a good book. Okay, I'll cut you off. <laughs> so I actually, I heard amazing things about this novel. It's called They're Going to Love You by Meg Howery. I heard such amazing things about this book from so many people. And I'm sure many of you out there understand what I'm talking about. I just, I saved it. Like, I was like, I know I'm going to love this book, so I'm not going to read it right now because I have other things to do. And then I'm going to read it and I'm going to love it. So I only read it last week. And oh my goodness, it's one of the best novels of the year. I feel like I've seen nothing about it anywhere. If you look at it online, it has the best reviews. It has starred reviews from every publication and just glowing, glowing praise. But like, as someone who spends a lot of time on Instagram, I feel like I've seen nobody talking about it, and I'm just so excited to be the one to tell you about it if it is, in fact, you know, me that you first hear it from, because one of the best novels of the year. It is about ballet. It's set in the past and the present in the world of ballet, sort of, like surrounding ballet. The main character who narrates the book is named Carlisle. She is a choreographer. She lives in Los Angeles. She works with film crews and production crews and choreographs dances and for, you know, plays and musicals and sometimes for animation. She, she d- performs the dances that they use for the characters, you know. And at the beginning of the book, as an adult, Carlisle learns from her father's husband, James, that her father is dying. She hasn't talked to her father, Robert, in almost 20 years We know that there was some kind of betrayal when she was 24, and they haven't really communicated since then. And as Carlisle decides what she wants to do, what she's going to do, you know, is feeling all her feelings about this. You know, her father is in his 80s now. He's dying. You know, she thinks about, you know, going back to New York, or maybe she won't. You know, what does she want to happen with this reunion? What would she say to him? You know, she talks to her best friend, Freya, about it. She talks to her mother. Her mother is very reserved, um, hasn't been married to her father for many, many years, 40 years or something, you know, and they have sort of a, not like an icy relationship, but her mother is very reserved. And this is all like new to her, having to talk to her mom about her feelings and stuff. Um, And as she's deciding what to do as an adult, we also hear about Carlisle's life growing up. Now, Carlisle's mother was a famous ballerina. She danced with the most famous companies. And her father was also a dancer who also ran a ballet company. Uh, They got married. Her mother got pregnant. And she had Carlisle. And then when Carlisle was two, her father fell in love with James. And her mother left. And she didn't return to dancing. She didn't want her, she didn't want Carlisle's father to be in their lives. Uh, she got a new husband, she had a new child, and suddenly Carlisle feels like, you know, that she is not a part of this life. And what she loves is visiting her father. After a few years, she's allowed to go to New York and visit with him and James in New York City. And so once a year, she gets to go there. And it's very exciting, and she has her own room. But she also has, you know, a young perspective on life. And at this time that she starts visiting her father, uh, it is the beginning of the AIDS crisis. 
and they are in New York City, and Robert and James, their friends are dying. They're losing a lot of their friends. They're having discussions. You know, they throw dinner parties, and they talk about this stuff. And, you know, Carlisle is, is taking it in, but she's also, you know, a child. She doesn't really understand what she's hearing sometimes. She doesn't even realize that her father is gay until later, like, when James says something to her, and she realizes, oh, when they're talking about gay men, they're talking about my father. But she absolutely worships his partner, later his husband, James. James is fun. He talks to her like a grown-up. He also has severe depression and has spells where he worries everyone and he has a really hard time. And they live in this amazing house on Bank Street. And for Carlisle, it's so, like, alluring. She just wants to be there all the time. She would live with them if she could. And it kind of turns her against her mother and her new family. You know, she doesn't like Cincinnati. She wants to be in New York City. She also wants to be a dancer. She comes from ballet royalty, but unfortunately for Carlisle, she's an amazing dancer, but she is, you know, sort of betrayed by her body because she keeps growing and growing and she's dancing and she's getting into academies and she's doing all this stuff, but she keeps growing and she ends up being six foot two. And she is told that she is too tall to be a ballerina. She is too big for the men to lift, and her dreams are sort of sort of shattered before she even gets to college. You know, and and also it also makes her look much older than she is, and she gets attention from men that she doesn't understand because she's just a kid, basically. It's oh my goodness, I love this book. It's a beautiful book full of so many heart squeezing moments. You know, it really brings you back to like being a child and you know, trying to understand adult situations. It takes a long time to find out what happened between Carlisle and her father, what the betrayal is. But you won't even notice. Like, you're not, like, racing to find out, like, oh, my goodness, I want to know what happened. Like, there's so much of Carlisle's story to tell and so much of her family's story to tell. The characters are fully fleshed out. They're wonderful and they're flawed It's a story about a child's relationship with her parents, about Carlisle's relationship with her body. There's great stories about female friendship. You know, Carlisle and Freya are wonderful and and explores the love between friends. It's about sickness and forgiveness and making choices. At one point, about halfway through the book, Carlisle calls her best friend Freya and says, she's overwhelmed. She doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't know what she's going to do. And she feels like she is narrating her life story. And I just... It took me out of the book for a second, but I loved it because for us, she is narrating her life story. She is telling us everything that's going on. And it just felt like this really meta moment that I just loved. This is a really great comp for fans of Tell the Wolves I'm Home. You're going to need all the tissues. I want to give content warnings for mental illness and attempted suicide, illness and death of a loved one, sexual harassment and misogyny, homophobia and homophobic language and ableist language. This is called They're Going to Love You by Meg Howery. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm so glad that it worked out because, I don't know, you like you hear something about a book, you're like, there's a book coming out. It's about a person who adopts, you know, 17 stray cats, and the cats have superpowers and help them win the lottery, and, you know, they become millionaires because they took in these cats. And Tears are, you'd be like, oh, that's the book for me to read. <laughs> and then you read it and it's not any good. And that's a disappointment. But sometimes you just know. Mm-hmm. Like, you just know that this is going to work out. And I'm so glad that I read it. I love it so much. Awesome. All right. My first pick is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. 
And Liberty and I have both bonded over the fact that we love the movie Palm Springs. Yes. Yes. So if you also like the movie Palm Springs, like, first of all, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's amazing. Um, But if you also like Palm Springs and you will love this book, it is a really hilarious YA novel about um, Emily. She has just had like the worst Valentine's Day ever. Um, basically she finds out that her boyfriend's cheating on her and, you know, she just had like a whole, like basically laundry list of terrible things that have happened to her, including running into this like, you know, very intriguing guy who kind of annoys her. So after this horrible, horrible day, she goes to her grandma's house, like, just like, oh my gosh, I need to get away from it all and decompress. And... She falls asleep there, but when she wakes up, she's back home in her own bed because it is Valentine's Day again and again and again and again. So I love a good time loop story. And I feel like, you know, obviously Groundhog Day is kind of the the biggest comp that we, we get for these types of stories. But I think that there have been some really interesting time loop stories that kind of play with like that structure and those expectations a little bit. And um, I just, I don't know, I really like the idea of of this book. And I think it's funny. And Lynn Painter, as an author, if you've not read her books, um, she's written adult and YA romance. She wrote Better Than the Movies. She has a new book, um, adult romance coming out next year called The Love Wager. And she also wrote Mr. Wrong Number. Like, she's hilarious. Definitely pick this up. Um, it also has a really great cover involving a little fender bender, which happens in the book, which is, is pretty fun. So that is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. I'm going to have to read this because I too love a time loop novel. And I feel like this is a great time to once again plug one of my very favorite books of last year, Meet Me in Another Life by Katrina Sylvie, which is a fabulous time loop novel with a paperback cover that I don't like as much, but don't let the cover fool you. It's marvelous. Love, 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 love. So yeah, I love a time loop. Me too. I feel like every genre has that one thing that it gets compared to. So like, no matter what you do now with like time loops, it's gonna be Groundhog Day. You know, yes. like you just you you can't get away from it. And that's why I love Palm Springs because it's so not Groundhog Day. <laughs> no, it's such a good movie. It's very very dark. Yes, like I. I watched Andy Samberg being interviewed on Seth Meyers about the movie, did not really know anything about it, and just watched it and did not realize it was going to be so dark, but that is, like, my sweet spot. I love, you know, dark comedy. So I was so thrilled. And, you know, of course, yesterday, November 9th, was the day (gasps) that takes place over and over and over in the movie. Um, So I, I just watched it, like, last week again. I love it. There's some joke there about, you know, doing things over again and watching the movie, but maybe that that is the joke. I don't know. So, uh, unfortunately today, my other three picks are not books that I have read. The book I was going to read got moved too far, far away, which I feel at this point, it used to be they would take a book and be like, it's going to be out this day, and then they give us a new date, but so many books now I have seen, especially paperback editions. They're like, it's coming out this day. And then you look on the day that it's supposed to come out. And the so, for instance, last week I mentioned the 
um, Dan Shaughnessy Celtics book that I read. I talked about it when it was in hardcover. It was supposed to come out in paperback last week. Uh, when I looked at it the other day, it announced that it was coming out in 2050 in paperback. What? And I'm like, they they just they just grab something and they don't even know. And apparently they're just going to get back to it someday and be like, okay, now it's it's going to come out. But, you know, it's still going on. You know, we don't talk about it as much because you all know that the dates are fluctuating like mad still. And so I'm going to talk about some other books that I have not read, uh, starting with this one, which is Making Love with the Land, Essays by Joshua Whitehead. Joshua Whitehead is the award-winning author of the novel Johnny Appleseed, which came out a couple of years ago. He is an assistant professor in the Departments of English and International Indigenous Studies at the University of Calgary. This is his first work of nonfiction. He has the novel and then a book of poetry, I believe. And this is his first work of nonfiction. It's a collection of essays that is a combination of nonfiction about place and the body and also memoir. They look at trauma, both inside and outside the body, whether it's from illness, from history, from family, from the world. He talks about his heartbreak before the pandemic and life before the pandemic and our new reality of life in the pandemic. All the blurbs for this book mention some variation of him pushing the boundaries of form or genre. So I am really excited to see what they mean by that. Um, because I love, you know, switching things up. And I love when people do new things, which seems like an impossibility in the world that has, you know, been around forever that people can do new things. But every blurb mentions like that this is like a a different animal, which is great. Um, And I loved Johnny Appleseed, which won a Lambda Literary Award and was also the Canada Reads of 2021. It's about a two-spirit and queer young man and his return home to the reservation where he grew up. It's really, really good. I highly recommend picking up that novel. And I cannot wait to read this book. It's Making Love with the Land, Essays by Joshua Whitehead. Awesome. Um, so my next pick, um, I've started but not finished. So just heads up, but I'm enjoying it so far. It's The Lies We Tell by Katie Zhao. And it is a sort of mystery slash coming of age and it's YA um, but it's set on a college campus so it's about Anna she has um, just started college and even though she's going to college at her you know hometown university which is um, a pretty like prestigious university it's it's pretty well known she's you know moved out of her parents house she's living in the dorms it's basically like moving across town and she's trying to you know, have that college experience while also like living in the town that, you know, you've grown up in and going to college with, like I could relate to, I also went to my hometown university for college and, you know, it's, it's a different experience like going away for college. Um, so she, you know, has left home, but at the same time, she's still thinking a lot about her family. Her family has this bakery called Sweet Tea and it's been struggling recently because um, there's a new bakery that opened up on the block called Sunny's and it's pretty trendy and people seem to be flocking to that instead. Um, Anna also really wanted to go to this university because her childhood babysitter went to the university and was murdered and that murder has gone unsolved and she thinks that like if she can get there as a student, maybe she can kind of dig into what really happened. So it's while she's there trying to balance like, you know, 
having this college experience while also not being that far from home and her family's, you know, money troubles that she meets Chris and Chris's family owns that bakery that's threatening her, her parents' livelihood basically. And so she's kind of wary of him, even though he's, you know, really charming and kind of cute. But then there is an instance of vandalism and the vandalism is against Sonny's and, Anna realizes that this like vandalism, which is, you know, definitely racist, has some kind of connection to her babysitter's murder. So now she's kind of seeking out Chris's help and also trying to like make the connection between like, what's this vandalism about? You know, what is the murder about and you know who is responsible so i admit i was a little intrigued by this book in part because um of like the author's own experiences and i i mean i can't say for sure like this is what her her influences are but the author um grew up in michigan and she went to the university of michigan and I, I did not go to U of M, but I know like Ann Arbor and that area pretty well. And I also have a lot of like good friends who went to U of M. And um, I mean, if you know anything about Michigan, generally like, like politically the, the state can look kind of blue, but like in reality, there's a lot of conservative folks there and um, you know, not to get into politics too much, but like, one of the reasons why from the outside Michigan looks a bit more progressive than it actually feels is because of a lot of voter turnout in the major cities. And the reality is that like there is a lot of racism in Michigan, just like there's a lot of racism everywhere for sure. But like that it, it's an interesting community dynamic. And I know that that is something that has played out in Ann Arbor and the U of M community, because again, I have friends who, who've experienced that firsthand. And so knowing that like, that's where the author is from and also where she went to school and then wanting to read this book that seems to kind of deal with these issues. I was really intrigued by that. So I'm um, really enjoying it thus far. That is The Lies We Tell by Katie Zhao. Okay. So I just have to point out that, I hope this book, I hope that book comes out on Tuesday because it has been moved three times. What? Okay. I'm (laughs) literally looking at the Amazon page right now and it says November 15th. So I really hope so too. (laughs) Yeah. You never know. Because uh, someone else wanted to talk about it on the show. Maybe it was you. Maybe. Like at the beginning (laughs) of the year. And I had to be like, no, that got moved to April. And then it got moved to August. And then it got moved to November. Uh, And I know... um, People kept putting it in mystery lists on the site and then having to take it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, So it sounds wonderful. And I have a copy here uh, that I have not read yet, but I hope that it actually comes out for everyone on the 15th. It must be so frustrating when you're the author to keep getting bumped like that. Mm -hmm. So those are books, well, mostly that we have read. Uh, Now we're going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read I'm going to start with some true crime nonfiction. It's called Tracers in the Dark, The Global Hunt for the Crime Lords of Cryptocurrency by Andy Greenberg. So a true crime book of the techno variety. I still could not tell you really what Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is or what a blockchain is. Uh, I haven't really been following that. Um, To me, they feel like they're new things, but they've been around for a dozen years and... 
long enough that there are, are investigations and trials and, you know, criminals are, are jailed for misusing them. And the reason that they're so popular with criminals is because it's really hard to trace the money when there's no actual money. Uh, crime lords have been using cryptocurrency on the dark web to sell drugs, to sell weapons, to... Uh, sell humans. It's horrible, and it's harder for law enforcement to find out who is committing these crimes, like I said, because there's no trail of money. Uh, and this is the story of a group of people who got together online from around the world and finally triumphed in taking down a huge criminal organization. The blurb on this says, the result is a thrilling, globe-spanning story of dirty cops, drug bazaars, trafficking rings, and the biggest takedown of an online narcotics market in the history of the internet. So I'm very excited to read this. Partly because I'm completely fascinated by people who break the law on the internet. Like, at least once a day, I feel like I see somebody, you know, I get a spam comment or I get a spam message, and I just think, who are these people? <laughs> like, you know, or you see, like, oh, my website is down because it got hacked, and I'm like, who are these people? And I feel like we still don't really, see, you don't have somebody sitting down going, hi, I'm, you know, Bob and I'm a hacker and I do this because, you know, like, I, I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody talk about it. So I am very interested to read this. I also want to uh, talk about a book I read last year, in case you didn't hear about it, uh, called Taking Down Backpage, Fighting the World's Largest Sex Trafficker by Maggie Krell. Krell is a lawyer and she worked, like the title said, to get Backpage taken down. And it's fascinating. Mm. You would think that if you are breaking the law... That you get to stop doing it, or they make you stop doing it. And it turns out, actually, no. Because of the internet and all the laws and the, you know, twists and turns and loopholes, it took a really long time for them to get this website taken down. Meanwhile, you know, you would not believe, you probably wouldn't want to use the internet anymore if you read this, I'm just telling you. You know, they were taking people's photos, like, from their, like, own, like, Twitter and Instagram and using them on this sex site and people couldn't get them taken down. And I mean, it was just, it was wild, just absolutely wild. And like how long it actually took them to get these people to stop breaking the law. And, and Maggie Krell, she did a great job writing this memoir. So I want to give a shout out to that too. And the other one is called Tracers in the Dark, the Global Hunt for the Crime Lords of Cryptocurrency by Andy Greenberg. Did you ever watch the Netflix documentary, The Most Hated Man on the Internet? I haven't. I've heard of it, though. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not light viewing because it is about the revenge porn guy and how he, he built the site. But what I found interesting was sort of the tactics that they used to, like, get that down. Because, I mean, the Internet really is kind of like a um, wide open chaotic world of like very little regulation and mm -hmm. so much of it sometimes depends on like where some of these actions you know are originating from like what countries and what states yeah but it was interesting to read about like how he illegally obtained i mean it was interesting to see how he illegally obtained the photos just because it's like oh yeah they they were kind of clever about it um but then also there is this guy that's interviewed and he was kind of instrumental in helping get the site down. And like, he doesn't confess to anything on camera, but I'm like, oh, you totally are probably like part of some secret hacker, secret society, <laughs> but like the Robin Hood type, you know, that's doing yeah. good for the internet. And I'm like, 
like I would bet everything in my bank account right now, which is not very much money that like that is what he (laughs) does. And he just like went on and was like, oh, all I did was these perfectly legal things to get it off. And then I might have sent an email to somebody alerting them that this was happening, but I didn't do anything personally. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure you did, dude. Um, But anywho, I just yeah, that whole subset of the online community is terrifying and fascinating at the same time. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. You are going to tell us about another book now after we hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal. Join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. All right. What do you have? Probably doesn't involve the internet. I would be surprised if we had two in a row, but maybe. <laughs> it actually has a little bit about the internet, which is funny. Yay. Um, so, you know, I love a good Pride and Prejudice retelling. So, no. Yeah, I know. Shocker. <laughs> um, this book is out today called Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne. And it is obviously a Pride and Prejudice retelling. It is about a woman named Liza, who is a DJ, and she lives in Washington, D.C., and she is very passionate about preventing, like, the gentrification of her neighborhood. Particularly, there's um, a certain property developer who is putting, like, out of price out of reach condos on her street corners and so she decides like 
I'm going to organize a protest and we're going to protest this corporate event. But in doing so at this event, she accidentally mistakes the CEO for a member of the wait staff. And like, that's, that's a little awkward, you know, he's the CEO, not the waiter. Um, and it's especially kind of weird and awkward because he is the adopted Filipino son of like a very wealthy family. So he's always kind of felt out of place. That's kind of like, you know, little bit of uh, rubbing salt into the wound. So he is not a fan of her. And he thinks that she's, you know, very performative and that she doesn't really, um, you know, care so much about her cause as much as she does about like gaining attention. And so they're clashing left and right. But then here's where the internet part comes in. Her protest kind of results in this meme that goes viral. And so it kind of forces them to keep crossing paths, basically. And well, it's a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. So you can probably figure out which direction it's going in. Um, so that's Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne. It looks really great. I'm excited to read it. Okay. And my last pick for today, I wanted to bring attention to the fact that the new book in the Celestial Kingdom is out today. It is Heart of the Sun Warrior by Su Lin Tan, which is the follow-up to Daughter of the Moon Goddess, which is based on Asian legend. It was a big hit here at Book Riot. I know I talked about it on the show when it came out. So much fun. It's about a young woman named Zing Yin who grows up on the moon because her mother was exiled there for stealing something from the emperor. And so the kingdom down on Earth thinks that her mother is living on the moon all by herself. But it turns out that she was pregnant and she has given birth to a daughter, Zing Yin, and keeps her a secret. Like, they don't know that she lives there with her mother. And Zing Yin has never met anybody else except one other person besides her mother. And as she grows up, she discovers that she has powers. But unfortunately, one day when she's a teenager, she tries to use them. uh, And they're so much stronger than she ever imagined. And this burst of magic attracts the attention of the Empress. And so Zing Ying's mother knows that this is dangerous for her and she sends her away. Through a series of things that happen, Zing Ying ends up working in the kingdom, right under the nose of the Emperor and the Empress. Uh, She becomes close with the prince And she wants to figure out how to get back to her mother. That is the first story. I'm not going to tell you about the second story because I don't want to give anything away inadvertently. And it's so fun, though. Uh, It's an adult fantasy novel, uh, but it's definitely great for YA readers, too. It's a great crossover. I was thinking it might even win the Alex Award, which is the ALA Award for adult titles that are also great for teens. Um, it is, if you look online, it's listed as YA so many times, but it is actually technically an adult fantasy novel. Um, and I'm looking forward to the second book. The cover is just as beautiful as the first. It is Heart of the Sun Warrior, The Celestial Kingdom, book two by Su Lin Tan. Oh, I did not realize it was technically adult because I have, I've also seen it listed as YA so many times yeah. in so many places. One way to tell right off the bat is just look at the price. Yeah. It's a, it's a $28 hardcover, so it's adult. Yeah. YA, YA novels are, you know, like 20 bucks now, too, so. Everything's mm-hmm. more expensive, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my next pick is Tread of Angels by Rebecca Rowanhorse. Rebecca Rowanhorse 
is the author of like Trail of Lightning and a bunch of other fun um, sci-fi fantasy books. Um, Black Sun, which I have not read, um, but I really did like Trail of Lightning and its um, sequel, Storm of Locusts. And I think she's also written some Star Wars books as well as kids books. So she's written all, a lot of things all over the place. This is a new book and I think it's um just a little like it might be just a novella because it's only about 200 pages um and it's set in 1883 in Colorado so it's kind of got like the classic western vibe but with fantasy elements and so basically there's this new element called divinity that people are coming from far and wide to mine in the mountains of Colorado And there are these um, beings or people called the Fallen, which are descendants of demon kind. And it seems like there is going to be some sort of epic conflict. And it's, I don't know, it's like fantasy, but like mythology and American West. So mashup of a lot of interesting genres. I have read a few books lately that kind of take like the the fantasy route of like um, exploring the Western genre, um, which I think is interesting because I don't know if you look at Westerns, like usually they tell a certain story and the story kind of tends to be a little bit racist or colonial and then just being able to kind of reimagine like the elements of Western and with fantasy, it's kind of an interesting slant. So um, I have enjoyed the books that I've read um, that do that, including The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. And now I'm excited to read Tread of Angels by Rebecca Rowanhorse. So that is my final pick of the day. All right. So those are books that we've read or want to read and are excited about. Now we're going to talk about some of today's paperback releases and hope that they don't get moved to 2050 before the show comes out. Starting with Even Greater Mistakes Stories by Charlie Jane Anders. I love Charlie Jane Anders. She's the best. She's the author of All the Birds in the Sky and Victory is Greater Than Death and a whole bunch more. This is a collection of short stories, including one about a woman who can see every version of the future who dates a man who can only see one version of the future and two besties who must embark on a quest to retrieve a weapon if they want to achieve their dreams of opening a restaurant. There's Super Volcanoes, What They Reveal About Earth and the Worlds Beyond by Robin George Andrews. This is one of the many books that I have, but have not read, which is the story of my life. It's around here somewhere. Um, I'm fascinated by volcanoes recently, I think because I saw the trailer for that documentary that just came out, is coming out, about that couple that was fascinated with volcanoes. It looks, I can't even remember what it's called now, but it looks amazing. Uh, So I'm interested to learn about volcanoes. I really don't know that much about them. New York, My Village by Yuem Akpan. This is about a young Nigerian living in New York City, working in publishing, and trying to navigate his neighborhood. The Last Winter, the scientists, adventurers, journeymen, and mavericks trying to save the world by Porter Fox. This is another rioter favorite. Journalist Porter Fox traveled the edge of the Northern Hemisphere and talks about how much it has changed over the last 50 years, mostly due to climate change. The Teller of Secrets by Bissi Ajapon. This is set amid the political upheaval of the late 1960s post-colonial Ghana about a Nigerian Ghanaian girl questioning the hypocrisy of her the patriarchal society that she lives in. 
Scorpica by G.R. McAllister. This is the first in the Five Kingdoms fantasy series in which after centuries of queendoms, girls suddenly stop being born and the book starts generation after the drought of girls. The sequel to this is called Arca and is out on March 7th of next year. Love in the Big City by Sang Young Park, translated by Anton Her, a novel about a young queer man searching for love in Korea while caring for his ailing mother. And we have a few paperback originals out today, including this one, which I think I'm going to read like this weekend because it sounds amazing. Pulling the Wings Off Angels by K.J. Parker. I love a chore.com novella. They are like candy. This is about the story of a man who supposedly stole an angel and imprisoned her in his home. And the main character of this story is a student who is being blackmailed into trying to find out if the story is real and to find this angel. Uh, and if he cannot, bad things are going to happen to his grandfather who has been kidnapped. Mm. Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. This is a second chance romance about a divorced couple who did not have a good time the first time they were married. And many years later, they come back into each other's lives. And maybe this time it's going to work out. Shipwrecked by Olivia Dade. Dade is the author of All the Feels and Spoiler Alert. And this is about two people who had a one night stand and many years later sign on for a reality show that puts them on a remote island for like six years or something, I think I read. And which sounds like a really long time to film things. Uh, and she wants to pick up where they left off. He seems to not want to, but it's a romance. And there is a new edition of The Custom of the Country by Edith Wharton with an introduction by Sofia Coppola. I mention this because so many people I know are very excited about this. I've only read Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. Uh, this is Wharton's second full-length work, and not surprisingly, it examines the modern upper class, modern for 100 years ago when it was written, and so many people are excited about it. So I actually pre-ordered a copy from my local indie uh, and look forward to reading my second Edith Wharton. So those are paperbacks that are hopefully out today. Maybe I should just start saying that from now on. These are some books that are hopefully out today. <laughs> we know. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. So Tirza, what are you going to read next? Um, so the other night, I just read the first chapter of Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. <gasps> And yeah, I'm excited to keep reading that. Um, haven't had a chance to read beyond the first chapter, but it's so good so far. And um, Nothing to See Here was like one of my favorite books of, I don't know when it came out, like 2019, 2018. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was one of my favorite books of the year, the year it came out. So I'm super excited for this one. He's everywhere. He was like on the Today Show, and I think it was mentioned on GMA, and I saw all these pictures of him in New York City. It was up on all these billboards. It's very exciting. Yay! That makes me happy. Very happy for him. So, uh, the other night, I had occasion to think about my own mortality more than usual, <laughs> uh, and it, it's not something I recommend, but when it happens, it's interesting. Uh, the last time, you know, when I had COVID and was very sick in May, you know, all I could think about was books and all the books I hadn't read. And so the other night, uh, again was thinking about things I hadn't read and I was looking around and I was like, well, you know, while I wait to see how things shake out, uh, I'm going to, you know, pick an author I've never read before. And I ended up grabbing, uh, weirdly, uh, Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. I've never read Willa Cather, oh. although I do have 
three of her books in my house. And it's really good, you know, but it is a product of its time and has a lot of really bad racist stuff about native people and Spanish people. And, you know, um, so I wouldn't say that I recommend it, but it is, you know, the writing is, is quite intriguing. I also just got The Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Ka, which is a novella that comes out in May about a murderous mermaid, I think I heard. And speaking of murderous mermaids, I'm also reading the Charles Barkley biography, um, which has nothing to do with murderous mermaids. But you know how I love, like the NBA for me is like my reality television. So I love reading about gossip old and new. So this is a new biography from Timothy Bella about Charles Barkley. Uh, so I got a lot of books going on. Awesome. That is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Tirza is on Twitter at Tirza Price. I am on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Maybe from the dark web. I don't know. Uh, and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.